This is Danielle Citrin. I'm a law professor at the University of Virginia School of Law and the vice president of the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. And on the anniversary of the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative's 10-year anniversary, I'm sitting down in a conversation with Dr. Marianne Franks, the president of the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, and Dr. Hani Fareed, a board member of the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. Um, we're going to talk about CCRI, where it began, how it began, the history of the work that we've been doing and doing together. Um, and before I, before I dive in, I just wanted to make sure that, that we all understood sort of um, a little bit more about Dr. Franks and Dr. Freed, which is so Marianne Franks is, is a law professor at the University of Miami and in I think two months will be a law professor, uh, is joining the faculty of GW Law School with a distinguished, very fancy title role that I'm not going to get long. right, <laughs> uh, and was from the beginning CCRI's tech policy and legal legislative director uh, and, and founding, one of the founding um, members of the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative uh, and has a doctorate in philosophy uh, and so draws on that work. Uh, in, in doing your own legal scholarship. And, and next, so um, Dr. Hani Farid is, as I always say, and you cringe, I think, but it's, I think, fair to say <laughs> is the, the I know, forgive me, is the father of photo DNA, which seismically changed the phenomenon of child sexual exploitation material and its visibility and preventing the re-upping or, you know, revisibility of child sexual abuse material. You're also um, a, a Professor of Computer Science at Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, um, and you have a very fancy title too, uh, <laughs> and joined our board of CCRI, sort of began working with us in 2018 and joined our board in 2019. So it's such a gift. You also mm -hmm. are authors, fake images, um, and the cult of the Constitution and soon fearless speech. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you so much for joining us to, to, to sit down and talk about CCRI's uh, history, right? It's, it's the 10 year anniversary. It is. It's a lot to take in if you think about it, right? Where we, where we started and where we have come, but also, of course, all the work we still have to do, yeah. right? So I guess the first question is to describe the beginnings of the organization, um, where it began, what the initial goals were, and then maybe take us through a little bit, Dr. Franks, like where we went in those mm -hmm. early days, in yeah. that early work. Yeah, it's interesting to reflect 10 years on, right? That we've actually seen a decade of this, this work in this space and to think back how all this started was really with an email. It starts with an email from a woman named Dr. Holly Jacobs, who is uh, the founder of Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. But when she contacted me back in 2012, she was experiencing what at the time was being referred to as revenge porn. And uh, what had happened was that they, there were intimate images of her that she never expected anybody other than uh, her partner to see had been splashed around on websites, they were being sent to all kinds of places and to people, you know, her employer, um, her friends, her intimate partner, uh, and she was looking for help. And she, in 2012, was going to lawyers and she was going to the police and she was going to anyone she could think of to say, this can't be right, what's happening to me? Right. And pretty much the response she got from everyone in 2012 was, this isn't a crime. Uh, what were you doing giving those pictures out? Right? You should have never taken those pictures. Mm -hmm. And so she has this struggle, these months and months of struggle where she's trying to plead with these websites that have her images, pleading with them to take them down, saying these aren't authorized, and just, just hitting, you know, just, you know, stonewalled at every turn. And so, as I like to say sometimes, Holly 
is so desperate that she starts to read law review articles. <laughs> and she comes yes. across a law review article that I had written um, about online abuse. Now, revenge porn was just a small part of it that I'd mentioned in this piece, but, but it was about the way that the internet can be used to harass women in particular and how this can impact their education and their employment. And she discovers that we're in the same city. So we're mm -hmm. in Miami and she thinks, well, I should just go and see, um, see this person. So we have this conversation and the conversation in short was, if this is right, she wanted to ask, first of all, is it true that, mm -hmm. that this happening to me, these intimate photos that I never meant for anyone to ever see beyond this relationship are now out there in the public. Is it true that the law says there's no problem with that? And I said, unfortunately, yeah. in most places that is true. And she says, well, if that is true, then the law should be changed and I want you to help me change it. And that's how it all started. And there was this moment where we, we delved into her vision for, for what she wanted this nonprofit to be. And it was really, I don't want anyone else to experience what I'm experiencing. I want them to have support. Yeah. I want them to have resources. And I want them to, to live in a world where the law has changed and technology companies have changed and platforms take this seriously. And after, I think, the first conversation I had with her, I immediately put her in touch with you because I thought the person you need to speak to in addition is uh, Daniel Citroen. And we'll start thinking about how, how we can come up with some ideas here yep. because I had never done this kind of work. And when I say that, I mean, I'm an academic. And so I write articles yeah. that no one reads. And, <laughs> and except for really except, crucially, <laughs> except one time, Holly yeah. Jacobs. Yeah. I mean, they do right. read all of your work, but this well, made so, such an impact. Right. Well, that it, that it, that's an unusual thing to be asked, to, be, to say, okay, so I've read an article and now I want to Change operationalize it, right? I want there to be an actual statute. I want there to be lobbying. And I thought, I've never done any of those things. But what I had done was, you know, I had several years of teaching as a law yeah. professor um, under my belt. And so I thought, well, why not try to come up with a model statute? People yeah. come up with model legislation all the time and I, I, could, I could take a shot. And so having conversations with you about this, because um, um, Hanya comes into a little bit later, but in those early yeah. years, we were, we were promoting model legislation that says- You want to tell um, us a little bit about how when you wrote the model yeah. state law, you were blogging, which seems like ancient history now. It does. Blogging but you seems were like blogging at Comparing yes. Opinions. Yes. Which no and longer you, exists. Which no longer exists, yeah. but was such a great blog yeah. that we both participated in. And you put the idea out there. It did. That here's this model statute, and we can craft this. Yeah. And we can craft it in a way that's narrow, that's clear, that's precise, that's consistent with the First Amendment. And what happens next? Oh, golly. <laughs> I was so popular. You were. <laughs> you were radically popular. No, so, so this is a blog that, that you were um, a part of and that you had, I think you were one of the people who had invited me to, to guest there and I thought this is a perfect opportunity yeah. to, to speak to a small legal And this is community. 2013, right? So like yeah, we, 2013, we've... It's, it's a long time ago, but yeah. it, at the time was a very you know, well-respected blog. A lot yeah. of legal yeah. thinkers were, were um, either writing for it, reading for it. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna yeah. put that out there and see what people think. And what they yeah. thought was, you hate free speech uh, you hate the internet. Mm -hmm. You yeah. are proposing something that um, is going to destroy free speech as we know it. Yeah. And it's all because you want to protect women who've made bad choices. I mean, it was really yes. like every trope you can think of right now that it's basically the victim's fault, yep. that the law can't do anything, yep. that even if we thought this was sympathetic, uh, the First Amendment would keep us from being able to do anything here. Yep. Uh, criminal laws are bad. All of these kinds of objections. And at the time, I think it never feels great, you know, to have people just sort of pile on about an idea yeah. you have. But 
looking back on it, yeah. I'm really glad that this yeah. is the way that it happened because it meant that we were very battle tested early on. Totally. So yeah. I took those criticisms, did refine some of the things that I put in the model statute, yeah. stuck to my guns though about the idea that, look, I teach First Amendment law and I teach criminal law. Yep. I know that it's yeah. not true to say that the First Amendment necessarily protects this and that we have privacy laws that exist and yeah. we can build on those things. And so yes, it was deeply unpopular at the time. It yeah. continues to be deeply unpopular with some people, but. And we wrote an article in 2014 or that came out in 2014. That's right, that's right. Uh, so we were writing and thinking, you know, I joined you in this and we wrote a piece called Criminalizing Revenge Porn. Yes. And we chose that not because we were enamored with the idea yes. of revenge porn, but so we had this discussion about yes, this, right? Like course. what to call this article because it was going to be the first law review article that took this issue on. Yeah. And both you and I were uncomfortable with the term because it's a perpetrator's term, right? It's the kind of thing that you say when you're trying to insult the, the victims, yep. right? But it was the term. So I thought, you know, as much as we're uncomfortable with it, it yeah. probably should be in the title because we need people to understand what this is. And then we will make clear yeah. in the article itself why that's a bad term yep. for you know at least two reasons. There, there are multiple reasons, but one, you know, the biggest one from our perspective being that revenge is a, such a such the the wrong way to think about this, right? Because revenge, yeah. first of all, implies that the person who's on the receiving end of this has done something that yeah. that that yeah. should be um, that you should take revenge for but also wrongly assumes that people are personally motivated necessarily against the person that they're victimizing because sometimes it's strangers and people who have no um, personal animus towards the person at all. Um, but also it, it was just not a respectful term in many ways yeah. about uh, to try to capture what was happening here. And the porn term was tricky yeah. because we are talking about sexually explicit material, but as Honeywell knows, the nomenclature over these things is so important because you don't yeah. want to trivialize and you don't want to you don't want to misinterpret and you don't want to misframe, right? In the child sexual abuse material context, it took so long yeah. to get to that. Would you to get to would that you speak to that? Yeah. You know what's so amazing about the story is my entry into the space is almost exactly the same. Yeah. So back in two thousand and five, um, somebody at Microsoft read an article that I wrote about detecting manipulated images and on a whim called me to ask if I could help in their battle against what we then called child pornography and um, we now call child sexual abuse material. I didn't know anything about this space. I started learning about it and I thought, wow, we should do something about that. That So somebody reading my paper, one of five people who read it, same thing. We set off to doing it. And the same thing, we, we developed Poyo DNA, as you mentioned in, in the beginning. Um, we got the same pushback. You are gonna destroy the internet. You hate the internet. You hate free speech, same thing. And then was the fight about the terminology. We never liked the term child pornography. By the way, God forbid that people used to use the word kitty porn, which was particularly offensive. And we didn't like it because the then head of National Center for Missing and Exploited Children used to say, this isn't pornography. This is a crime scene photo. And I think words matter. I think it's you, what you said, it's a framing of how you think about this. These photos are, are evidence of a crime against a child. And so when we developed photo DNA, we got exactly the same blowback. You are going to destroy the internet, which by the way, we didn't. I mean, the internet is terrible, but it's not because of us. Yeah. Um, and it was this, and so then when, when I started learning about your work, and I knew about you guys way before you reached out to me 
it was again the same thing. I didn't really know about the space. I didn't know about, I, and I felt awful about not knowing about it. And so when you reached out, I was so happy to bring some of the expertise that we had learned in the previous five years in the child sexual abuse space. And the parallels are fascinating because it's all more or less the same problems um, and actually the same solutions. You need better regulation. Now, it, fortunately, the child sexual abuse space, that content is actually illegal. So we were working on a, on a good foundation, but even then we were struggling, which yeah. tells you how hard these problems are. Like we couldn't get the tech industry. Yeah, we couldn't get the tech industry to wrap their heads around eight-year-olds being sexually abused. How are they gonna wrap their heads around adult women being abused? And believe me, that's what they yes. said. Because, but because by the time we enter the space and we're now trying to talk to companies, because yeah. one of the, the, mm -hmm. the great things that comes out of the collaboration early on um, between Holly and Danielle and myself is part of the conversation has to be the platforms because yes. that's where a lot of this material is yeah. and being indexed, right? Google is a huge player here because yeah. some of this material wouldn't, not that it would ever be harmless, but once you, once you can put it uh, next to someone's name and it becomes attached to them in a certain way for their search engines uh, results, as you were saying, I think in hate crimes in cyberspace, that it's like a, like a digital CV, right? It's something yeah. that everyone yeah. is gonna know about you. Mm -hmm. um, we talk to these companies and they say, Look, we're too busy cracking down on CSAM. Yes. That's a serious issue, right? We're, we're talking about minors. That's they how they trivialize that. And that was a lie. Us, which it was is a amazing. lie that they were cracking down. They weren't cracking down. Right. But that was their excuse mm -hmm. to That's tell right. us why they weren't going to do anything about this issue was yeah. to say because we're too busy doing something real. Yeah. And constantly part of the pushback we got from lawyers mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and um, uh, a lot of public defenders and people like that and, and defense lawyers generally were saying, this isn't like a real crime the way that child porn is a crime. Yes. This is just women making bad choices. And so we constantly had to deal with the specter of how, as you say, it's very similar in yeah. some ways. It's obviously meaningfully different in the yeah. sense that um, a lot of the what's being portrayed in the actual material is not a crime right. in, in the context of, of what um, we were calling at the time non-consensual yep. pornography. But it was interesting that we had to kind of thread this needle around that issue that was casting this really long shadow. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the, the key aspects of trying to figure out, you know, how is this meaningfully yeah. different from, but also in some ways extremely um, mirrors in some ways some of these. And I have to say, it was infuriating when the tech companies hid behind this argument to, to be ineffective in dealing with these real harms. Um, we, were, we were furious by, uh, of that, yeah. It was, so it's, an, so joining forces, I have to say is so meaningful yeah. because we're all seeking together to, of course, protect privacy, protect against abuse of a, you know, sexual exploitation, yeah. and to do it together is really meaningful. Um, yeah, and, so, and, and, to, and to see how, yeah. and to have the experience or the expertise yes. that each of us brings into it to, to refine yeah. the project over these 10 years, yeah. and to see what works and what doesn't work, yeah. and the kinds of um, arguments that you can make that, that will get traction and which ones won't. Yeah, we almost can learn. There's so much we could have learned, though we tried the hard way. We were. Well, I mean, we, we, were, we were pioneers in some ways, right? Yes. I mean, although we probably could have learned a lot more. I wish we, we had you earlier on, but. but can yeah. I say something? There's a lesson here, too, and, I, and I've always been fascinated by this, but you were a group of what, half a dozen people who've completely changed the way we thought about this space. And the child sexual uh, abuse space, it was, it was about a half a dozen of us. And I'm reminded that you don't underestimate the power of a small group of people who are incredibly dedicated to change the world. Because you don't need giant movements sometimes. You need, sometimes it's just a small number of people who are willing to lay down on the tracks <laughs> year after year after year 
Um, and that's how change happens. And that's, I'm glad that you've mentioned that because it is, yeah. I think, such a credit to, to Holly's vision yeah. to begin with. That's because right. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine yeah. being on the receiving end of this abuse, right? You're living in it in this moment. Yeah. And at the same time that you are trying to figure out how to rebuild your life and to survive, yeah. you are willing to step in front of a camera and say, And that this was a process, right? Recall, yeah. like, the kind of her self-negotiation, which yes. she shared with us. Yes. Of, of Should I go public? Should, right, yeah. that, that terrible knowing the cost. Yes. Knowing if she comes forward in her new name, right. that she's putting herself out there. And yes. then so wrestling. Remember, you know, to remember right. that she had changed her name legally because of this abuse. Yeah. And then she was going to come public, and that name was going to get yep. attached to yes. this. And, that's and that she knew is. that every single time yeah. she came forward, someone else was going to be looking at her photos. And I, I will say, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say that part of the reason why I agreed to help her was because I was shamed by her example, because I was, I was insulated from this problem in a way that she just wasn't. This was yeah, happening to her. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to get involved in some ways because I thought this is a deeply unpopular area to be involved with. I, I had previously done a lot of work as a graduate student on yeah. pornography and about, and I just, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. And it was knowing that she was going to put everything on the line for her. But uh, you, you did know. too, my friend. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it, I think and can I remind? Can I remind? Why, okay, go ahead. You say why, well, but well, then I'm going to remind us of the However hard it was story. going to be, yeah. however hard it was going to be, I couldn't. Yeah, you know, She was going to be putting everything into this. And I thought, I can't say, I can't say no to this because of, of the sacrifice that she's going to make. So, and I think all of us, though, in this effort, you know, yeah, we've yeah. all had to experience the blowback from it because people get very angry about it. And it's not just the lone cranks out there, it's also, it's lawyers, it is politicians, it is uh, corporations that have gotten really upset and have made all of our lives really miserable. So it is, I, I, I wish that that were not part of the story because yeah. this is, yeah. you know, when you, make a, when you make this kind of change or you agitate for change, certainly people can disagree with it and think that yeah. this isn't the right approach or this isn't really an issue. That's one kind of response. Yeah. The response of rape and death threats, yeah. or I'm yeah. going to find out where you live and I'm gonna send people there to take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you sexually assaulted and I'm gonna take yeah. pictures of it so that you will yeah. stop doing your work, which are you know, some of the things that happened yes. to some of us on the board. Yeah. Um, that is not an acceptable yeah. response. And yet that was the response. That the response. Right, yeah. and that was the, just to highlight the, you know, that was, that was a real cost. Yeah. Uh, and but we achieved some really important successes that I want to highlight. Yeah. So in 2013 or 14, as we were writing criminalizing revenge porn, and we had your model statute in mind, we knew that was out there. There were three states mm -hmm. that criminalized the practice of the non-consensual distri distribution of intimate images. Yeah. And that within, I want to say six years, about. we went to. 47 or 48 states. We're now 48. Now 48. DC mm -hmm. and Guam. And DC and Guam, and I think Puerto Rico. Okay. So, <laughs> so if you think it's and, more and than the even the Uniform 50. Code of Military yes. Justice as well, which is yes. always a really important one yes. to, to keep that in mind. Is. So we've that gone is. from yes, from the it's flipped, right? So it used to be yeah. this tiny minority of states that had laws against revenge porn, what was at the time called revenge porn, and now there's only a tiny handful of states that don't. There's only two states left that are the holdouts. Um, South Massachusetts Carolina and being Massachusetts, shocking. if you're listening. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yes, it's really shocking. But, but yes, within the space of seven years or so, we saw the bulk of this happen, right? 35 or so states really um, getting with the program. That we still have said, our work to do, right? <laughs> not all of the laws are good, but, yeah. but the fact that there yes, was this kind of sea change, you're right, that it, 
we were up against really powerful forces because the tech industry didn't like what we were doing and lots of really powerful politicians did not like what we were doing. The ACLU did not like what yes. we were doing. They continue to not, not like, like what we're it. doing. Yeah. So, and this is all to say that there were really powerful, um, deep-pocketed resources that were, were ranged against us. And yet, as you say, looking back in 10 years to go from 3 to 48 plus the, these territories and the UCMJ, that's tremendous. Yeah. And when we talk about the kinds of responses that Holly got when she was yeah. trying to get help, it's not that those things don't still happen, yeah, that we don't do. still experience victim blaming. But there's actually now a whole discourse that says, hey, it's not that yeah. the, the victim's fault. It's actually the perpetrator's fault. And privacy is, is an important value. And we need to understand yeah. that it needs to be protected. And so, so much has changed yeah. just in the collective understanding of it. I think that, that, that yes, it's a real testament to the power of advocacy there. Yeah. Because, yes, at the time of the celebrity yeah. hack, people were still just making jokes about how, oh, it's yeah. funny that Jennifer Lawrence's yeah. private yeah. photos are out there and everybody right. is sharing them. And when she tries to, to give an interview that says that's a sex crime and you shouldn't be looking yeah. at these photos, that she's mocked for that. I think the, the, the tone now is yeah. a lot different. Um, yeah. It's certainly not perfect, but it, it has changed a lot. I, I agree. I think one of the things that has shifted in the 20 years of this internet is that we used to think about the internet like Las Vegas. What happens on the internet stays on the internet. That there was, there's no harm, it's just a right. bunch of pixels. Yes. And the reality is there is no more online and offline world. There's this one world, it's fully integrated, and online harms and offline harms are harms, period, end of story. And I think we, we are slowly as a society starting to come to grips with that, in part because of the work that CCRI has done. And by the way, people should not underestimate how hard that is to pass laws in 10 years, in 48 states, that's insane. <laughs> that if you would ask me 10 years ago, I said, you'll be lucky to have a handful of states. So a phenomenal accomplishment. And I think it also sets the grounds for the next line of harms and the next line of harms and the next line of harms, because now we have a scaffolding for us to think about. We do, and, that's, and it's so key that, that you are now part of our organization because what, one of the things we desperately yeah. needed, right? Yeah. Because we had, we had law professors, right? Because yeah. law professors were joining in fairly early, um, but what we didn't really have, we didn't have anybody who was a technologist. We didn't yeah. have anyone who really understood that aspect of it or, or understood it as an expert. And so discovering more about your work, not just with photo DNA, but I think the first time we met actually was over, uh, was at an event that dealt with deep fakes and the digital manipulation, yeah. which is, you know, when you made reference to the next step, right? On the one hand we have today, or we had 10 years ago, yeah. actual private photos that are released. And now we have, yeah. well, maybe there were no photos, yeah. but now it looks like there were yeah. because it's really easy for anyone yeah. to create that. That's the next, you know, this yeah. is one of the next yeah. forms of exploitation. How are we going to deal with that yeah. as a, not just as a legal matter, but also as a technological matter. And yeah. it is so good to have you, yeah. and it's so good to yeah. continue to have you to weigh in on this because this isn't just a question about morality or about legality, it's also a question of the technology. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, everybody now has exposure to non-consensual sexual imagery. Exactly. Anybody who has an image of themselves online, which is everybody, can now be inserted digitally into sexually explicit material, and that material can be carpet bombed on the internet. And that is a phenomenal threat vector that is very different than it was 10 years ago. And it really does, in some mm -hmm. ways, 
I think we said this at the time, but it's so yeah. much more powerful now to say that when we were responding to the victim blaming, the idea of, well, mm -hmm. just don't ever, yeah. the, the advice was don't yeah. ever take nude photos. Now right? tell me what that excuse is, yeah. Right. Well, so what we said at the time was, this is wrong on so many levels. Yeah. That's that's the new, you shouldn't have worn that skirt, yeah. you know, to try to, uh, right. in some ways, push the blame of sexual assault on, on victims. So we, we always held the line to say, that is not an answer, and by the way, yeah for those people who are supposedly gung-ho about free speech, that's such a strange answer to give because you're essentially telling people to censor themselves. Yeah, right? shut up, yeah. Uh, and that there's a punishment for their speech, right? Yeah, so course. that was all, yeah. all a problem. But the other thing was, we were trying to say, the problem with misogyny and the problem with sexual exploitation is, you think, and you are trying to make a generation of people think that they can avoid it just if they're that's careful right. enough. That's right. The thing is, misogyny is a root cause, and if you mm -hmm. don't actually confront right. it, it will find another way. That's right. And it did. And it did. So a couple years later, mm -hmm. the next thing you know is that, oh, I never actually did share a nude photo, and yet, there I am. Um, there I am, right? So now anyone can take, as you yep. say, all they need is a, a profile photo yep. from your Facebook page yep. or whatever, or just any photo, and now it can look like you were in yep. an intimate setting or that you were engaged in some kind of sexual activity. And so there is no protecting you from that. So if we had taken this seriously, when it was happening yeah. to, to women that maybe people weren't being sympathetic to, um, we wouldn't be in such a big mess yeah, right now. I we agree. could have been better prepared to, to take on this new fight, which, yes, as you say, everybody can be a victim. And some of that fight that we're doing at CCRI is law. Yeah. Some of that fight is working with companies, yeah. right? And using your technology in ways that relate to non-consensual imagery as well as bakery. Yeah. Uh, and some of that is just education that we try to do, yeah. right? And yeah, this is, this is the approach that we, I think we, we in some ways pioneered, right? So that, that we had a law policy instead of technology approach, which is to say, you know, we've got, we've got to have legislative reform. That's obvious because the law has not um, really kept up. But that also means that we have to think about the gatekeepers and the amplifiers. Yeah. So that's technological reform. We've got to get these companies to, to work harder on these issues especially in the absence of any real legal incentive to do so. Yeah. And then we've just got to change hearts and minds about yes. this, which is yeah. a big part of this because we want people to not do this to each other. Yeah. And the other, and the flip side of that is offer support to the, the people who are experiencing it. So our crisis helpline and our, um, the safety guides that we have. And, and as you say, you know, we're, now we have that in place to try to deal with the deep fakes problem and the yeah. other kinds of issues that are evolving now to say we have to recognize that that's going to be a three-part process yeah. it's not just going to be law it's yeah. also going to be technology and it's also going to be society so with that uh, it's been an amazing 10 years <laughs> um, and there's so I feel like I'm looking forward to the next in a weird way in a weird way <laughs> but 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 um, hopefully I mean there's so much we've accomplished there's so much to do uh, and it's been uh, such an honor to do it with you. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah.